Hey, welcome to the Hear Me Out podcast. I'm your host, Naledi Muloi, and straight out the bat, we like to discuss it. What is a car? Is it an asset or is it a liability? Well, to cut the story short, it's an asset. And the basis of us proving that it's an asset is derived from the IFRS, which stands for the International Financial Reporting Standards. Yeah, these are the standards recognized internationally by every accounting body to define and describe elements of accounting. Now, there's been a lot of controversy around the, this topic, especially on social media, and, and it, it came to my attention that most people do not understand what an asset is and what a liability is. So yeah, uh, I suggest you guys stick around so that I can provide some clarity for you on what an asset actually is and what a liability actually is. So next time somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you bought a car, oh, that's such a liability. You can tell them technically it's not. Yeah, so stick around. Nice ride. Mustang. Fast 429. She's 70. 69. Ah, beautiful car. Thanks. How much? Excuse me. How much for the car? She's not for sale. Okay, so according to efforts.org, there are about 17 financial reporting standards and 29 accounting standards that define every accounting element that is within scope. So the conceptual framework did a splendid job in defining what an asset is. So they basically say an asset is an economic resource controlled by the entity as a result of past events and economic resources, the right that has the potential to produce economic benefits. So the asset is the economic resource and not necessarily the ultimate inflow of economic benefits. And when it comes to the deletion of expected economic benefits, it does not need to be certain or even likely that economic benefits will arise for it to be considered an asset. A low probability of economic benefits might affect the recognition decision and the measurement of the asset. Okay, and on the other hand, we have the definition of a liability as proposed by the conceptual framework. It is proposed as being a present obligation of the entity to transfer economic resource as a result of past events. Okay, and an obligation is a duty or responsibility that the entity has no practical ability to avoid. So from these conceptual definitions, can we conclude whether a car is an asset? Okay, now to conclude that, to prove my the, the, the theory, because right now we'll call it a theory because we haven't, uh, we haven't given enough information to clarify or to come to a conclusion that it is an asset. We have to take take up these these definitions and and see where the car falls under okay so okay for 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 example purposes right now the car would would have been bought in cash right uh let's exclude the credit part right now but we are going to come to it at a later stage of this episode
Okay, now to prove that a car is an asset, we're gonna try and build a narrative. We're gonna make an example. So here I am, I have 500,000 and I go to a dealership and I buy a car, right? So by taking off the definition of what an asset is, we can come to a conclusion that uh, indeed a car is an asset, right? So here I am, right? Uh, do I have, do I exercise control of the car? I definitely do, cause after paying for the car, I'm now accountable for what happens to the car, right? Is it arising from a past event? Well, it definitely does, right? Because I paid for the car in the past, and ownership was was exercised after I paid for for the car, right? Is it an economic resource which? has the possibility of realizing uh, economic benefits, well, yeah, it actually does, right? Because even if I, uh, maybe after two years, if I decide to maybe sell it, I'm going to realize economic benefits, which would be a monetary uh, in influx of money, right? Inflow of money. So it's, so in that sense, it falls under the criteria of what an asset is, right? And uh, for argument's sake, we're going to try and take it off with the liability, right? Okay, now, does the car represent any current obligation? Now, I need you all to remember this, that we're talking about the car for understanding purposes. We assume the car is bought in cash, right? So... In that basis, there's no obligation that arises from past events, although there's an obligation at the point of transaction to exchange the two resources between the dealership and myself and uh, fulfill some due diligence. I mean, with the basic understanding, we can come to a conclusion that the car cannot be a liability in that sense, right? According to to the international framework of uh, reporting standards, right? The car cannot be a, a liability. Okay, and the reason uh, I won't talk about depreciation is because most people feel like for the fact that depreciation is incurred on the car, it means it's a liability. But as a counter for that, we can say uh, depreciation only incurs is only incurred on an asset, your, your machinery, your, I mean, these are assets, so it can't be a liability in that sense. Okay, now let's talk about what happens when a loan, uh, a loan joins the chat. Okay, most people can't afford cars right there and then. It might need some sort of financing to purchase the cars, so they rationally sort out for a loan. And this loan is known as a secure loan uh, in most cases. Okay, why is it a secure loan? Well, because there's a margin of safety the bank uses to make sure it isn't exposed to the risk of uh, the party involved defaulting on the loan. So like, okay, so now a loan is basically an agreement between two parties to leverage the other party out in order to help acquire a resource they can't pay for in one spending, right? So according to All Mutual, okay, which we appreciate for making this information available, there are three ways one can finance a car. 
remember a car is our topic of discussion so okay they they can finance a car by either a mortgage a car loan or personal loan yeah and i think we might need a an episode that's dedicated to the whole financing of a car i think i'm going to put that in my think tank acquiring a car on a mortgage is often the most efficient way to leverage up on your credit for a number of reasons firstly your home loan generally offers interest rate lower than your car loan there might be an exception uh, i'm not sure and secondly by restructuring your existing mortgage you avoid the admin that goes into applying for a new loan taking into account the terms of the loan is paramount to the costing of the mortgage and the giveaway here is is that if you plan on structuring the financing of a vehicle with a mortgage you ought to be aiming to repay the loan within 48 months and capitalizing on the low interest rates that comes with the mortgage okay now getting into car loans So car loans are arguably the best deal for those buying from a dealership. So basically what happens is is that uh the loan agreement is accepted uh based on the the fact that we let the vehicle become collateral for the loan which allows the lender to set lower interest rates. This is typical loan in which the vehicle can be seized and recovered in the events that there's failure to to fulfill your commitment of paying the loan. Okay, so car loans uh, typically have conditions such as loans can only cover cars younger than 60 months. The the loans are fixed on 36 to 48 to 60 month periods uh and can be structured to include balloon payments. So basically a balloon payment is a repayment on an outstanding principal sum made at the end of the loan period interest only having been paid until a agreed period of time and you can also have uh trade ins you know to reduce the cost and also allow deposit that can reduce the cost so if you wish to buy a vehicle from a private seller there's a different structured loan that has higher interest and larger deposit thresholds to offset the risk of default Okay so finally we have personal loans. So personal loans can also be taken out to finance vehicles. This is more advisable for people who wish to finance vehicles or uh, like older vehicles or okay uh, vehicles from private sellers. Because these loans are unsecured, lenders usually charge high interest rates to compensate for high risk that comes with the territory. but unlike the the vehicle loan purchase you own the vehicle as soon as you pay for it one can reduce the cost of personal loans by following some initiatives one of the initiatives is increasing your credit score which earns you a better interest rate and reduces the loan period this tactic makes sure the the loan period isn't greater than the useful life of the vehicle It is also advisable that one avoids taking personal loans to finance used cars. So, and I think I should have an episode on that uh showing the red flags that 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 one should spot.
when buying a second-hand car. You, you advise to rather use the, the personal loan as a supplement to your savings. Because remember, the nature of financing usually is usually accompanied by high interest rates. Okay, now that we got a picture of how to finance a car, we need to recognize that the car and the loan are two interdependent elements that, and that the loan represents an obligation and that the car is a resource that is acquired through the obligation. As a matter of fact, the bank does not own the car, contrary to popular beliefs. It cannot uh, dictate the control of the car while you're still paying for it. But depending on your loan structure, failure to pay can lead to the bank owning the, the car, which is your asset, through sequestration. Okay, so the South African uh, insolvency law regards sequestration order as a formal declaration that a debtor is insolvent. So yeah, before you buy that car, you gotta make sure that you inform yourself. So next time somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, this is not an asset, it's a liability. You can tell them, hey, it's an asset, bro. It's an asset. Okay, man, from your financial bro, at peace be with you.